Welcome, everybody. This is Peggy's Recovery Corner. We are here today. This is Recovery Podcast. We're here today with Aubrey. Uh, Aubrey, this this podcast, obviously, you already know about it, is all things recovery. We talk about recovery in every form or fashion, uh, and that's recovery from substance abuse, alcoholism, and we talk about mental health, too. So uh, I'd like to learn more about you. I know that you found me. I think that you may have seen some of the stuff that we were doing online. And uh, today should be a very special episode because we're going to be talking about some marijuana and the <laughs> dangers of it. Um, I Tell us about yourself. I know that I asked you before we even started the podcast, if you're in recovery, you talked about being in, uh, a recovered codependent, correct? Yes, sir. Well, I'm not recovered. I'm continuously recovering because I do lapse back into my old behaviors quite easily. That happens. Um, Yep. So I am the person that I'm a 12 stepper. I'm a person that's in recovery from codependency and controlling behaviors. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm currently on the 10th step and I've been a slow stepper, pretty resistant to it in the beginning, Mm -hmm. because as uh, having a family member with substance use disorder, two family members, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought they're the ones with the problem, not me. (laughs) Right, right, right. A lot of people think that. Yeah, but I definitely contributed. And, you know, so in recovery, we learn we didn't cause it, we can't cure it, we can't control it. But we can contribute to it either negatively or positively. So that's where we learn what we can control and what we can. So you you believe in in the philosophy of, of it being a family disease when it comes to addiction and alcoholism, correct? It is definitely a family disease, and and it's a community and country disease. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, um, you you obviously said you have a loved one that was that brought you into this path, correct? I mean, your qualifier, if you will. Yes, I have two qualifiers. Two qualifiers. Okay, so how long ago were you introduced to the idea of of learning about how to try to help them or try to help yourself for that matter? You know, I think really my recovery started back in 2016. Um, My loved one was in a fourth treatment center. And um, where I was from in Pueblo, Colorado, I didn't really understand recovery. I didn't Mm -hmm. understand what the 12 steps were. And I started getting educated at that facility. They started, you know, counseling me and giving me support. And then when I was introduced to a community in Houston, Texas called um, Houston, Texas is like ground zero for the youth recovery movement. And they have what they call APGs, alternative peer groups. And I was introduced to one called Cornerstone. And I showed up here and I started hearing all about parent driven recovery and the 12 steps and codependency and all these terms I was not familiar with at all. You know, I was on a pathway to save my loved one. And um, in the end, really, I've learned to step off the crazy train and save myself. Okay, so does that mean that you were racking your brain and going crazy because you didn't? It's really interesting. Like a lot of people when they have never been introduced to codependency or the word, it sounds like a, like a word that you don't really want to be attached to. Like, you're like, Oh, hold on. That sounds like something different than independent. It's codependent. And therefore I am, I mean, when you put, once you get educated, did you, it kind of turn on the lights to how you were losing your shit, if you will, because of your loved ones that were going through whatever they were going through. I mean, four treatment centers, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And yeah, I mean, the word codependency I even think like I really didn't understand that word till really recently. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I'm definitely a raging codependent, meaning that I treat myself and my feelings like I put I put other people in responsible responsible for my own feelings. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that I'm responsible for my own feelings. I'm responsible for my own life, not the behaviors of my loved ones. And so I was putting a lot of pressure on my loved ones because I had expectations on them 
that they didn't want to do, they weren't ready for or whatever, what was going on. And so that definitely was the part I played in, in the family disease. Okay. So, so you came into this path, you started to have a lot of self-realizations, you started to do the work and, um, and then you started, uh, tell us more, tell us more about, obviously we were in Pueblo, Colorado when all of this was going down, correct? You're now in Texas. Yes. So Pueblo, Colorado is ground zero for the marijuana expansion movement. And pretty much it's going to be the drug culture expansion movement because the goal for the Drug Policy Alliance, and I know we can get an advocacy later, but is to legalize, commercialize, sell all drugs. And marijuana was just their really big stepping stone. So mm -hmm. um, when the, the marijuana expansion came to our community, it completely flipped our whole community upside down. So my family was affected, my community was affected, my neighborhood was affected. We had murders in my neighborhood, home invasions is still marijuana after legalization. It just completely like was very shocking about what happened. Um, so, them, so them legalizing marijuana, even though it seemed like it was a good thing for people who advocate and use and smoke marijuana and love to have the freedom to do marijuana, it also created a lot of crime? It created a lot of crime. It, it, it invited um, national and international criminal organizations into our neighborhoods. It's just a front for them to set up shop and be able to sell and manufacture marijuana in, in homes. In our, you know, they were buying up homes land and they're, they're still doing that across America. It's not, not just Pueblo anymore. It's, there's, there's lots of community. There's a, there's a county in California that the marijuana criminal organizations not there that are kind of connected with the legal market. Mm -hmm. um, they're about to claim those county as their own. Okay, so can you also speak on, and I'm sure you're very knowledgeable when it comes to this, just because certain states legalize marijuana, uh, the regulations are still, there's federal laws still that doesn't make it legal just because the state makes it legal, correct? Well, the federal government's not enforcing any laws, so technically, I mean, they're enabling this, right? So they're not, they're not doing anything about it. And state-sanctioned, marijuana is more dangerous than illegal marijuana at this point. How Maybe so? It's more concentrated. It's more potent. It's put in more different deceptive forms like candies and vapes and drinks and lipsticks and suppositories and tampons. And I mean, you name it markers. I mean, your kid can be just putting on like what you think is chapstick and it's got THC in it. So and this stuff gives people a head change. It actually makes them high, or what does it do for them? Is there CBD involved? Well, there's CBD in some products, and there's THC, and then there's a combination of it all. It's not regulated much, so you don't know exactly what's in all of it. But the THC is the worst offender because THC is an addictive chemical. It's actually mm -hmm. the perfect drug to embed addiction into the brain, and it can cause psychosis. And out of all the drugs that cause a temporary psychotic episode, THC has the highest conversion rate to chronic psychosis, which is schizophrenia. So it's a very dangerous, life-threatening drug. Um, one of the outcomes of THC use is uh, low concentrations and high concentrations, we're just seeing a lot more of it now, is suicide. It has a, anywhere between a three and seven-fold increase of suicide risk and like in the state of Colorado, for example, um, for teen-completed suicides, the main drug is THC. And years ago, it used to be alcohol, but that completely flipped um, when they legalized. It just, um, THC is the perfect drug to not only embed addiction, but cause mental illness. So in the beginning, you could have like anxiety, your, your reward system in your brain's being robbed. You can't regulate the dopamine, the neurotransmitters regularly because you've got THC gumming up the receptor sites or overproducing dopamine. And then, you know, if they try to quit or whatever, you know, depression sits in and some people can hallucinate, have auditory hallucinations. And it, it's just a complete 
Are we allowed to cuss on this podcast? Yeah, you can cuss all you want. Okay, is this a complete shit show? And yeah. it's a it's a it's a nightmare. And yeah, it's the perfect drug to um, enhance and increase the addiction mental health crisis. And to me, that's the biggest secret because we're we're so we're so propagated by all these um, media campaigns and um, legalized campaigns from you know big elite drug dealers is who they are. And they're not speaking the truth about marijuana. So I appreciate you allowing me to come on your podcast to raise awareness. Sure. I mean, you know, I'm a former weed smoker. I loved the effect that was produced by marijuana. It's probably one of the, the favorite highs that I ever had. I started at a very young age um, when I used to be, I believe, maybe 10 or 12 years old. There were some people, they had some regular grown bud. I was in Utah. I got a taste of it there, but coming to California during, you know, the eighties, like weed was very common. It was very commonly used in, in high schools and junior high schools. So it wasn't like I wasn't ever going to actually try this stuff. And then, you know, there's some people that try weed and they never want to do it again because they, they, they lose control. It totally blasts you out of your mind, especially if it's strong weed. Right. Um, for me, I fell in love with it. It became one of my first loves, that and alcohol. And then later on, it definitely gatewayed into other certain types of drugs. Uh, so I sold weed illegally. I smoked weed daily, hourly, by the minute. Um, I grew weed. Uh, I was definitely part of that culture for a long time. I loved to cultivate. I, lo I love horticulture. I loved the the art of growing weed. Of this was Cheech and Chong were a friend of mine. You know, it was just like a way of life. I even started a clothing line that was very much geared towards uh, weed. None of it was legal during that time. I think about all of the, the times that I was transporting marijuana. Like when I finally got sober in 2007, they had already legalized marijuana like for, med for medicinal purposes, right? Like you had to have a, a medical card to be able to get marijuana. And usually it's because of legitimate reasons such as glaucoma or, uh, you know, chronic pain or things like that, cancer patients and things like that. So so when I heard like weed's legal now or it was becoming legalized in certain states, I believe it started in California or if not, California followed suit shortly after. But watching the the growth of the, the cannabis and marijuana movement, often people would ask me questions like, Pej, like you're an old pothead. Like, like we all know you're in recovery now, but how do you really feel about this stuff? And, and so like I had a lot of mixed emotions, a lot of mixed feelings because I see how it's stepped in my life into becoming all kinds of other addictions. I'm not to say that everybody's going to go from smoking weed to smoking meth to doing heroin to doing other drugs. It's very possible, though, because you do have that addic addictive behavior when you're smoking weed, if it becomes a daily ritual, if you're, if you're scraping your pipe to get like the resin out to be able to even smoke, that's very addictive. That means that you're really chasing that high. And I, I had to learn that stuff when I finally got sober that for me, like I, I thought I'd lost my love. When I got sober, it was to quit meth, heroin, cocaine. But like I thought, weed? There's no way I can ever quit smoking. I love weed, right? Love the effect. I, I don't think I can ever stop. And during that time, I had a family member that was working in a dispensary and um, and I told myself, like my my brain, that that part of my brain was saying, when I get out of here, I'm gonna go get blazed with that individual, like, and that's all there is to it, right? But I was finally talked through through the counselors, through people that were professionals, and through people that were in recovery, the the fact that like in order for me to really embrace recovery and have a different life, I need to become abstinence based. So the reason I'm saying all this is like now when people ask my opinion. Part of me wants to say to each their own, let them have their own journey. But part of me also doesn't is in hopes that people don't have to go down a dark path. And when you talk about mental health that can be caused as a as a result of smoking, especially concentrate, like I know what's out there these days. Between the dabs and the liquids and all of the things that they dress it up as, at the end of the day, it's THC. It's in its highest potency, in its highest form. And it can become damaging in many different ways, mentally, physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually, you know. So now I have this TikTok presence. And I, you know, when I first came into the TikTok space, like I thought it was all for teenagers. And, and truly, like 
teenagers dominated the TikTok space, but there are a lot of other people that are on there right now. So I get these messages now, Aubrey, from people that are underage, definitely not old enough to, to buy any kind of substance, that are struggling and they've started or they're contemplating or they're pre-contemplating. Is this, I kind of feel like this might be a problem for me that I'm doing this. I don't really like that I'm doing it. It makes me unproductive, but I do love it at certain times, but I handle it or I, and, I, and I, you can like, it's interesting to watch how they're going through their phase of, of not being completely sure if they're sold on this way of life or if they, they realize like this could be a problem that, 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 um, the intuition, the consciousness, like to, to be able to have that, those, those con, like when your conscience is speaking to you and telling you, don't be doing this. Like you, you shouldn't be doing this. You're kind of getting out of hand. You know, back in the day, we thought taking five foot bong rips was like sexy. It was fun. It was cool. But the reality of it was like, we're probably like really ruining our lungs. And that was just from regular weed. There's a lot of stuff out there these days. That's not just the regular weed that we grew up on 20 and 30 years ago. Yeah, I don't think you can find that weed anymore, actually. I mean, I mean, you being a marijuana smoker, you know, like I have talked to old school hippies that are just pissed off of what this industry has done to their weed. You know, they didn't when they wanted it legalized, they didn't they didn't want this. They didn't they didn't advocate for this. They just wanted to, you know, and I think they just wanted to, like, use it, you know, every once in a while grow it without getting in trouble, you know? Does they it surprise you that this happened? No, because it's addiction economics. That's right. what this is. It, You know, the marijuana industry is a predatory addiction for profit industry. So, you know, we didn't learn our lesson with big tobacco. You know, we've got big alcohol. They had, you know, and so now, you know, it's just about money. And, and this country is willing to sacrifice the, the youth, the next generation, to get this done and and marijuana is much more despite what the legal liars say marijuana is much more dangerous than alcohol i don't advocate for alcohol use or anything like that i think there needs to be more pushback on that industry but to add to all these harms are just it's insanity that's why i think the country needs to learn about recovery you know you can you can have three drug policies you can have drug prevention policies you can have drug promotional policies and you can have drug recovery policies. We're stuck in the middle, all drug promotion. There's no reason that any of this poison needs to be commercialized and promoted and called medicine and spun in a way where it is more, you know, looked at as more sexy and cool and fun because especially our youth, but there's many adults too our youth are paying a very, very heavy price. And I, I see it every day. Um, I live it every day. And, um, you know, we kind of talked about my recovery in the beginning, but I'm actually a host mom for youth in recovery. You know, I have a, I have a young man right now, so I, I would never break anything that's going on with it. But some of the, some of the youth here hear about me talking and then they come give their testimony with every brain matter. So some of them are willing to speak up and a lot of them are pissed off about what this country has done to them because you have, these kids have to work really, really, really hard to avoid marijuana. I mean, it's, it's much more than what it used to be. Yeah. Right. It was always here. Yeah. It's never going away. But what it is now on all these deceptive forms, more accessible, you know, more, more deceptive. I mean, these, these products, especially like vapes are purposely designed to deceive parents and educators and employers, you know, and it's like an, a, a kid pacifier, you know, a teen pacifier that they can just suck on all day long and just change their brain to some, to the point of no return. Yeah, and when, no. talk, when you're saying that about vapes, it's not just necessarily with THC that might be available within the vapes. It's it's nicotine too, because nicotine. I get a lot of messages from kids um, that are saying like, "How do hey, hey buddy?" Like, there's a whole new terminology amongst the the Gen Zs these days. It's like, "How do I quit Nick?" And I knew I know right away like when they're asking me, uh, "How?" Like they're they're saying, "How do I quit nicotine?" But they're not asking like, "How to quit regular cigarettes?" No, no. 
They're smoking vapes. It's a high concentrated nicotine, fast delivery system to the brain. Boom, there's addiction. And then at that point, the brain's going to want what it's want. Like you were, you were just saying your brain wanted the THC. You loved it. You know, you were in love with it. And I've heard doctors talk about that before. You know, they, they feel like they're married to it. And so I, I would definitely say that these nicotine vapes, it's not just THC. I mean, I actually, I was just, you know, I don't lecture the kids, but I was trying to prevent a kid. I tell them, you know, I can only control the rules of my house. And I'm like, if you're going to vape nicotine, you're not going to do it in my house. You're not even going to do it on my property. You know, that's what I can control here. I give them a little spiel about how you're a target for these elite drug dealers and they want to hook you and you're in recovery already. This is not a harm reduction drug at all. A nicotine vape is not a harm reduction drug, especially for a youth brain. And, and you know, it's their decision if they're going to do it or not, but they're not going to do it on my watch. And I tell them, and the kids know that come over, if I see a vape, I throw it away. I got it. I'm not giving it back. I don't care how much you or your parents paid for it. It's not going to go back. You know, I'm not going to enable poison going into your brain. I don't blame you one bit. And I do not blame you one bit. I understand. I, I would do the same if I had my own kids. Somebody go. asked, um, can you reverse the psychosis from THC by quitting or is there a solution? You definitely can get better. There's no cure. I mean, most psychotic episodes and, and you know, I'm not a medical professional. I'm an advocate. Mm -hmm. So most acute episodes of psychosis will resolve if you quit using THC. That's the good news. Okay. But once you keep having another psychotic episode, another one and another one, you get to the point where your, your brain will not bounce back. And, and out of all the drugs, even out of meth, THC is the worst offender for where you're chronically psychotic, which is schizophrenia. So, yeah. Sure. That's interesting that you say that. I, I personally, because being an interventionist, deal with a lot of meth-induced psychosis uh, cases, people mm -hmm. that uh, have various forms of psychosis you know obviously when somebody's talking about the fbi the cia or certain uh, law enforcement organizations are out to get them first place that i mean i automatically would think okay it's probably myth, like in most cases however you know it's interesting that you bring up uh thc because it makes sense too and i've seen people who actually have been schizophrenic that have addiction to not just meth, but they really love weed because they think that they think, and it really does probably soothe their mind, lets them be at ease, probably calms down the nerves, calms the voices what, that they might be hearing. And, and so they think they need more of it and more of it. But the problem is what's happening there is when there's mental illness that's already taking place, especially if they're medicated. If they're medicated too, to be able to be, you know, putting THC on top of it or methamphetamine or any mind altering substance is totally defeating the purpose of the medication and intensifying their mental illness even more to the point where they could have that psychotic break or, you know, they might really lose their shit. And that, that happens quite often. So I often tell people, uh, family members of a loved one before I'm doing an uh, intervention, they, they'll, we'll do a pre-intervention and they'll start telling me about the case and like what's going on with their loved one. And, uh, the fact that, uh, he's talking to the walls or he really thinks that people are out to get him. And, and I'll have to break it down for him and say, there's, there's various forms of psychosis that I've experienced that I've seen. There's psychosis where the person only is going through the psychotic break, like during the time that they're high. There's some people that still, you know, when they're coming off of it, it takes them a few days to level out. Sometimes they will see a psychiatrist. They will get some medication to be able to hopefully normalize. There's some people that will hear the voices or, the schizophrenia will be in, in effect even for weeks, even for months, even for years. Sometimes it's permanent. So there's many different ways that psychosis can can uh, set in. And, and this is from my own professional background and personal experiences. Like I've seen a lot of people never really come back. And that's why you see the homeless people that are sometimes walking down the street screaming at the sky is because it's not just the addiction. It's because of the mental illness. And they've pretty much they're shot out. Like people can come back from that. Some, not all. Correct. And, and, and you're, you could, you did, I couldn't have said it better than what you just said it. And, and you're right. You know, psychosis 
can last minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, or forever. And, and, and the spectrum of psychosis can be really mild where they're just kind of getting a little irrational or paranoid, or it can be a full-fledged break where they're harming themselves or the people around them. And they're just suffering so much. They, they don't even know what to do with themselves. And then they're going to reach for whatever drug is available to them, cheapest to them to ease their mind, to change the way they're feeling because they are seriously suffering. And, and that's one of the biggest tragedies of what our country is doing with enabling the drug culture expansion is the homeless crisis is just exploding to see these people suffering on the streets is, I mean, I'm so disappointed in our incompetent government and, and, and the, the lack of real conversations like this. So I, I just really appreciate you, you know, having me on and, and raising awareness with this. I appreciate you coming on. So tell me a little bit more about what you do right now. You're obviously not in uh, Colorado anymore. You're in Texas. Nope. I sought refuge in Texas and, um, you know, Colorado's still a mess, but they're, they're pushing back. Republicans and Democrats are pushing back together because so many people are harmed. They know they've made a big mistake. This doesn't necessarily make national news, but they did pass a bill there um, that is not a, it's not a political issue. It's a public health crisis. So um, that, that pushes back on the industry when they, they have more to do. And I was happy to go testify for that, but um when when my qualifiers were affected um, by marijuana, um, I didn't know marijuana could do that. You know, I I had smoked marijuana too when I was younger. I I pretty much did it because I wanted the guys to like me. You know, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I wanted to be cool. You know, and um, the last time I smoked, I was sixteen, and obviously I was having some kind of psychotic break. I thought I was gonna die. I was severely paranoid. And I remember thinking, play it cool, play it cool, Aubrey, you know, don't tell anybody, just get through this and never touch the shit again. (laughs) And that's what I did. I told myself I would never do that to myself. And I, I've never touched it ever since. Um, But in, in Pueblo where I'm from, not only did it harm my family, it harmed my community. So I started advocating. I started speaking up and educating other communities saying, this is not a good thing. What this industry is producing is much more dangerous. You know, they, they said that they would make it safer. They're lying to you. You know, they're, they're, they're really poisoning a lot of people. They really set up shop in Pueblo because Pueblo is a disadvantaged communities. Um, so the lack of education, the lack of resources there, they were able to sink their teeth in there. So I, you know, over the time I volunteered a lot, I helped other states. We were able to hold off legalization in other states like Vermont for five years. I mean, we 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 all worked together and it was all this grassroots people working together and we still do. And um, through my dream, I, I've, I, one of the neuroscientists who taught me a lot about the brain and, and psychosis and addiction and stuff. Um, she said to me one day, she, and we were in California and she said, Aubrey, every brain matters. And that really stuck with me. And that was back in 2016. I've been hired by a nonprofit and they said, develop, develop your every brain matters, do it. You know, here Mm -hmm. you go. And I was able to do it with a couple of my friends who are other moms that have been affected too. And so we developed a community and the communities of support, advocacy, and science. So the support, I realized that the lack of knowledge of recovery, not to say that I, we know it all here in Texas or anything like that, but the principles, the foundation, you know, just opening the pathway to what recovery can do, I learned in this community and I was blown away by it. And I realized talking to people across the country that they don't necessarily know this stuff and they're hungry for this information. So Every Brain, Matter, Every Brain Matters has support groups. And I'm sorry if you hear my dogs in the background. They're That's, okay. <laughs> um, That's okay. We have support groups. We have like tonight, we have uh, a, what we call a climbers meeting. Um, it's a crosstalk meeting. It's not an Al-Anon or Maranon meeting where it's led by professionals. And we climb the steps. We climb to learn how to interact with our loved ones better. 
and it's a it's a great meeting. It can get kind of heated um, because um, you have a lot of positive peer support there. So it's all in person. It's online, so anybody it's can on join. Yeah, we have people across the country and sometimes other other countries that that join us. So um, yeah, it's all online right now. Um, I'm hoping that people start doing this stuff more in their communities. And this model um, that I'm part of here in Houston is being adopted. I know there's a community in Denver that that has adopted some of the principles that they do. But um, you know, I have I work with other families here, and I'm kind of like kind of going down a different tangent, but it's a very dynamic system that we're part of. Like right now, a part of my my program is I'm on a 40-day yoga challenge. And it's really challenging me um, to transform and really gain my confidence. And um, so this recovery community is a parent-driven recovery community. Um, my qualifier lived with host families for two years before I could move here. But, but I sought refuge here because of this, and I benefit from it. And um, through my um, outreach of recovery, I found out that Maranon exists. And Maranon is Al-Anon, but for marijuana. Mm -hmm. And um, we took the rails from that, from the people who first started it. And my friend Bart Bright and I co-developed. And we have co-developed the organization. So we're on our way to become a nonprofit. We work closely with Marijuana Anonymous. Mm -hmm. And um, we have five. How is Maranon uh, spelled? It's M-A-R hyphen A-N-O-N. And it's at .com, so if you want to look it up. Okay. We have five online meetings a week. Marijuana Anonymous has like 400 meetings a week. We only have five. But we have almost 700 members, and we're, we're growing every day. Um, we have one to five people join us every day. And if you go to the Marinon website and go into the resource tab, you'll be able to get basic information about Cannabis use disorder, cannabis-induced psychosis, cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. Do you know what that is? Tell us. Okay. Cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, or CHS. Oh, you know what it is. It's they throw up when, they, when they're when they smoking weed, right? Yes. Yes. I, I've only heard about that more recently, probably in the last six months. I knew two different people that were actually throwing up from – is that because of the, the concentrate that's in the THC? Well, they, they, they saw it with low concentrated marijuana, but it was more of a rare syndrome. Now it's like the main reason why people end up in the ERs and hospitals related to marijuana. So, can, you say, can you say the name again so people sure. learn? Sure. It's cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. So cannabinoid are the chemicals in the marijuana mm -hmm. plant. And this is not just THC. CBD um, causes this too. Mm -hmm. Hyperemesis means, hyper means increased emesis means vomiting and then a syndrome because there's not like an exact diagnostic test for it it's symptoms is the way they they diagnose it so um it's a toxicity of the body of marijuana use including cbd and the endocannabinoid system that we have in our bodies that has the receptor sites for the chemicals in the marijuana plant get like gummed up, they get like overloaded, and then our body's trying to reject it. The problem is that it's hard to reject it because THC, CBD, the cannabinoids in the marijuana plant are fat soluble. So they adhere to the fat in our bodies. Unlike alcohol, if you have alcohol poisoning, um, you know, you vomit for a while, and usually you can get over it. You can, you can die from it. But usually your vomiting's over with within a couple hours or the next day. You know, you might be hungover for a while. But with marijuana poisoning, the vomiting can last hours, days, weeks, months. And, and it can really cause havoc in the body. And these people can get their electrolytes low, their potassium low, and they can go to, into heart and kidney failure very fast. So if somebody's experiencing these types of symptoms, it's really, really important that you seek medical attention immediately because I know I know people that have died from this, um, and you can wow. see that in every brain matters. I have a question for you. So, you know, obviously, in the last fifteen years or so, CBD 
has been popularized. It's used in many different forms and fashions. Do you believe in it? Um, the only regulated CBD product out there is Epidiolix. I do believe they will find more medical benefits for it. I don't think the mm -hmm. industry is going to going to find more benef medical benefits for it. I believe science will. Um, but I, you know, my advice to people who consume CBD is to stop <laughs> because not only you're getting CBD, but you're probably getting like the toxins in there. You're getting pesticides, you're getting heavy metals and, and it is a fat soluble substance. And if you feel like you need CBD, like it's what's helping you and you haven't found anything else, I definitely make sure your doctor knows about it because there are drug to drug interactions that can really cause major problems and get the regulated product, which is called Epidiolix. It's approved through the FDA. It's the only clean product out there. So, um, And do you think that, that product, what, what is that huh? product good for? Is it good for joints, for nerves, for back pain, for pain and things like that? Is that what you're saying that? No, the Epidiolix was um, promoted to help kids with seizures. Um, so they had, you know, medicine has animal and human trials and science to back the claims. Yes. And, and this company actually did that. And about 40% of the kiddos that have these really terrible seizure conditions um, benefited from Epidiolix or purified CBD product. Okay. And, and not all of them did. And some of them did with combination with other drugs. So that's why medical professionals need to be giving these types of advice and not a bud tender. So I just want to be randomly consuming CBD. And then mm -hmm. also, you know, people need to realize that the hemp industry, which some people think are separate from the marijuana industry, but they're really not. But, you know, CBD was legalized. Hemp was legalized through the Farm Bill of 2018. So it's federally legal. But what they're doing, the hemp industry is doing with all these, the CBD product, because they have a ton of it. They're converting it to variants of THC. So CBD is an unstable drug. It can be converted to THC very easily. It's a very close cousin. Um, so they use acid and heat, and they're getting Delta-8 THC, Delta-10 THC, Delta-12 THC, THCO, and they're doing it on purpose because it's addiction economics. They know the THC is where they can hook their customers. You know, mm -hmm. they can target the youth, especially they put them in candies and everything. So, um, yeah, it's it's a problem. And we have a family. The Delta, has the Delta eight products or the Delta tens and these such, do they uh, have psychoactive effects? Can they make people yes. actually? High? Okay. So, the, yes. and do they show up in drug tests? Some it depends on the drug test, but yes, because I'm hearing some of them do not. I heard some of them do not too, and I've asked a couple professionals, and I've gotten mixed. I've I've gotten mixed that some of them will show and some of them won't. I you know in recovery we learn to react to the behaviors anyway. So like if there's a family wondering, you know, are they taking Delta Eight or something like that? If the behaviors of the loved ones are addictive behaviors, if it's suicidal, anything, just go ahead and react to that. That's always the advice I give, you know, regardless if the drug test is saying anything at all, because that's usually a cry for help, whether there's drugs involved or not. So that's usually what I, I recommend. I think that kind of stuff needs to be talked about more because I think families get in fear. You know, we all live in fear and we have to quiet that fear voice in our heads and then they don't, they don't do anything. And then the, the, the addiction process or the self-destructive behaviors or whatever is going on with that loved one just keeps progressing. So it's okay to get help, even if your drug test is negative. Hmm. Every Brain Matters, tell us about it. Well, Every Brain Matters is a community of support, advocacy, and science. And we're calling for a cultural change by the widespread use of the EBM logo that unifies us and symbolizes freedom from marijuana and the drug culture expansion and promotes optimal brain and environmental health. So as long as the drug culture keeps on expanding, so will every brain matters. Um, and we know by decreasing the demand for drugs is the best thing to do. And by changing the culture is the best way to decrease this, this 
nightmare that we're in. So education's part of that, but we also know we it's a cultural thing. We've got to start talking the truth about this. We got to stop uh, promoting and legitimizing marijuana and other drugs. It's not a rite of passage. It doesn't need to be part of our culture that you start using drugs when you turn 13 or whatever, because today's drugs are just much more dangerous than yesterday's drugs. And we know that kids need to protect their brains. And we know, we know the disease of addiction is a pediatric disease. And we need to start calling it that. It embeds itself in the youth brain. And if we can really empower and delegitimize, denormalize drugs, then we can make improvements. Until then, we're just climbing this, this, this hill, this addiction, mental health hill, and much more people are going to die and much more families are going to be destroyed. And now we see communities being destroyed. So we're look we're looking for absolutely. an actual real solution, huh? I'm sorry, what did you absolutely. ask? Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. No, I, I was listening to you, and um, I I couldn't agree with you more as far as um, obviously we see what's going on with fentanyl, mm -hmm. and a lot of people have to understand that most kids don't just start out by doing straight up fentanyl. There are a select number of youngsters, if you will, adolescents, and even younger than that sometimes that might find it in grandma's medicine cabinet or even mom and dad's. Um, and that can start with pill addiction, which then turns into heroin addiction, which which these days it's, there's not even much heroin out there anymore. It's pretty much all fentanyl. And, and there's THC that come in carts and come in various forms in a concentrated form that are not legally being sold that are sometimes laced with fentanyl. So I, I have fun conversations and controversial discussions with people in certain circles that tell me that when I say marijuana is a gateway drug, they say, no, it's not. And I say, I speak from personal experience and what I've seen. I think that a lot of times when kids are curious, and it's really hard to, to to teach kids to resist the urge or the the need to have to try to get out of themselves by smoking marijuana. And a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, kids will be kids or teenagers will be teenagers, but not if we're producing uh, future hardcore addicts. Not if, you know, not if you're enabling that. And, That's right. And You'll get certain parents that'll allow it within their homes. I love your philosophy. I love that you won't even so much as, and you're like my mom. Like, I don't even, like, to me, cigarettes are a drug, and I don't want you to do it anywhere in my house or around the parameter of my house. I even have family members now have teenagers, teenagers that are 16 and 15 and 16 years old that come to me asking me, Pej, we know that you're sober. What do we do about our kid? I said, get a nicotine test, start testing them. You are their legal guardian. Like they still live under your roof. Do you think they're going to go emancipate themselves because you won't allow them to smoke? Maybe you can get in front of this before it gets really out of hand and turns into other things because right now it's a small addiction that's going to take form and, and eventually possibly, God willing, it wouldn't happen, but it definitely could turn into other curiosities. Other like It goes from a phase to an actual addiction. And so... I love what you're doing. I love that you are raising awareness, that you're helping and building a community um, to, to to give more knowledge. You're so you have such a wealth of knowledge within yourself. I really love the way that you speak about this stuff. You can tell you have a passion. You can tell that you are educated in it, and um, and you're doing good work. Thank you. I, I feel the I same about you. And thank you. I don't know I, how you found me. But I like that we found each other. Well, you sent me a message. You saw me on a pro marijuana podcast where I was going back and forth with this guy who's, you know, not telling the truth about marijuana. And and you mm. you sent me a message. That's how I first got you saw that for some reason. Okay. I don't know how you saw it. But that was a while ago. And then I kept watching you. And then I love the way you you love Prince. So I, I wore my purple today for that. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I love Prince too. I remember when you that, must be that from the same era as me. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I remember being a kid and that Purple Rain album came out. And I was just floored. Like, it, that was awesome. But get, getting back to um, what we you were just talking about, um, any drug that's used in adolescence in a developing brain that has addictive qualities is a gateway drug. So anybody absolutely. who tells you that marijuana is not a gateway drug, it is a gateway drug. And you're absolutely right. Nicotine is a gateway drug. So anything like that, that is utilized. So people are just, they have drug biases is what our country has. Because, because a lot biases. of them are using drugs. That's right. And you know what? Most of the arguments or the discussions are usually with kids that are still having, they're actively using so they're going to argue it and say, no, I'm doing it. But there's a great chased the feeling of weed might change to something else because somebody introduces you to, why don't you try some of this heroin? It feels different. Or this fentanyl or these Zanny bars or things like that. So, and that's why I, I, when I mentor parents, I'm like, don't even argue with your kids. Don't get in like a loop. All you can do is hold strong, loving boundaries with them. Let them know that this is not appropriate behavior. We love you. And we're not going to participate in you pumping poison into your body. Like we're that's raising right. you to be all you can be. We're sorry you feel this way respectfully disagree with you. We understand you're being propagated to left and right. I mean, they really are. No matter, no wonder they don't believe the truth because I mean, even our elected officials are telling them it's medicine and they're, and we've got, we've got the Senate majority leader talking about nothing bad has come out of Colorado since legalization. That's a complete lie, but you know, so holding strong boundaries, not in a mean way, in a loving way, Figuring out what those boundaries are for your family is all you can do and get support for yourself. So the first book I recommend to them is Monsters to Miracles by Dr. Annette Edens. That book completely changed my life. And I started gaining my confidence back as a mother. So our our qualifiers are losing their confidence. I'm losing my confidence. And so that really did give me a lot of tools. But I also wanted I wanted to comment about the fentanyl issue and know that mm -hmm. that's a symptom of how sick our country really is, right? Mm -hmm. That we've progressed this far and, and it's not going to stop. It won't no, stop. It's, not. it's, not going fentanyl, it's, it's not, gonna get well, worse. It's going to get worse because we're enabling it. We're, we're allowing yes. this to happen. And one of the biggest pathways, why we have 13 and 14 year olds dying from fentanyl, which is unacceptable in my opinion. I mean, Absolutely. we're the United States of America. Where are our elected leaders? Why aren't we coming together, having common sense solutions? It's really not that hard, but it's all That's this politics hard. that gets in the way. But um, they're smoking weed because that's the big popular medicine. You know, they need it for their anxiety and the depression. That's what they're told. Parents are buying them weed. Parents are turning a blind eye to their weed um, issues. And then they're ordering pills like Xanax over the right. internet because they want to decrease their anxiety. And then it's a fentanyl pill, you know, instead right. of Xanax. And they're right. dying in their own bedrooms. I mean, what what country allows that to happen? The United States of America. Here we are. And people are going around saying this is awful. You have families pouring their hearts out you know, that their kid, they found their kid deceased in their bedroom and still everybody's just playing politics. You know, there's very few people that are speaking up the truth about what's happening here and want common sense solutions. You're um, absolutely correct. There are some people who made some comments here. Uh, okay. This individual said, Epidiolex is 2K for, I guess, for, a, for one bottle. Um, this gentleman or this person says, thanks for doing this. Um, I could see why people would take the unregulated, um, very informational. Thanks. Yes. Started with nicotine. Then the experimentation never stopped. Been off the Fenny for 30 days and still think about the high every day. Yeah. The, sh the shit's captivating. It's captivating. 
Um, uh, who's who's protecting who's been protecting our kids? Yeah, yeah, not not our elected officials. They're sure not protecting, and and the parents that are trying to protect, they're they're made to look like they're crazy or there's something wrong with them. But you know, for the person too that's struggling um, to stay off, you know, fatty or fentanyl, you know, I hope you got a lot of positive, healthy peers around you because that's just key. Um, and I would never ever compare, you know, what I'm going through to what you're going through. But keep keep every day. I encourage you. I'm a fan of yours. Just know that people like me, and there's lots of us, we're praying for you every day. We know you can do it. We know you're capable. Don't all those people or all those voices in your head that are telling you you're not capable, you are. You're totally capable. We're all capable and we support you. So keep up the great work. I appreciate you. I think so, so much for Jesse Ventura's theory uh, years ago when he was the governor of Minnesota saying we should just legalize all drugs and the drug problem will go down in the United States. I don't believe that. I just don't. I mean, I, I get asked this question a lot and I understand what his philosophy was. But if just I think because if they were to legalize all drugs in the United States, again, what's happening with marijuana, it would become commercialized. Um, and then you'd really see some people dropping like flies. I mean, it's happening now with illegal uh, drugs like fentanyl and things like that that are being mass produced and they're coming from other countries. And uh, the cartels have made the rounds. They're in every state of America. People are dying everywhere. Uh, I believe at a higher rate than even COVID for that matter. Yeah. So, and here the focus is on a whole other thing, not to discount COVID and its power, but definitely, right. uh, you know, this is this is serious. So what a pleasure it was to have you on here. I do want to do some future work with you. Um, I have a lot of ideas, a lot of oh, ideas. So um, I, I work with some nonprofit organizations on the East Coast. We are trying to go national and we would like to definitely have a presence in Texas and and Colorado and many different parts of the country, California, obviously. But it started out. Uh, my aunt started something uh, almost 10 years ago that it took place in D.C., in Maryland, and we, we are now talking about expanding. And I think this would be your what you do would would definitely help our organization in being able to make it more widespread and in, in carrying a message of hope for people and and educating people on how to how to battle the, the this whole addiction crisis that's truly happening right now. Oh, I look forward to it. Thank you so much, and and if anybody can once to start the cultural change, you know, the every braid matters unifies all of us. We're all in it together. So you can go to our website and go to the store tab and just get a t-shirt if you want. So we just want to, we don't want to say like, Oh, we hate drugs, blah, 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 blah. We want to say we all matter and we can make That's positive right. changes if we all link arms together, no matter what perspective you have, no matter where you're coming from. Well, we so, want, we so want to be with you. Your website is everybrainmatters.com. Dot org. Dot .org. org. Okay. I'll look it up today. News- yeah. Sign up for our newsletter. We got some, we got some rocking newsletters and we got a lot of hope. I got a, I got a testimony I'm uploading from a, my friend of mine who became paralyzed on one of our recovery um, bike rides. And I'll tell you this testimony. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. I want to hear about it. I'll check it out. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Aubrey. Thank you for, coming on today. Thanks for being on the corner and I'll be in touch with you most definitely. Thanks for all that tuned in. All right. Thank you. Have a lovely day. Bye. You too.